our studios in the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans, welcome to our Louisiana Eats podcast series, Quick Bites. I'm Poppy Tooker. The historic New Orleans collection is a great jewel in the crown of the Crescent City. Founded in 1966 by General L. Kemper and his wife, Leela Williams, the collection today includes a museum and research center encompassing 10 historic French Quarter buildings. At the heart of the HNOC is the Kemper Williams Residence, a house museum which allows visitors to experience life as the general and Leela lived it there for decades. One of the newest members of the HNOC is Lydia Blackmore, the first decorative arts curator the collection has ever had. As Lydia researched life at the residence, she learned the story of the employees who made the Kemper's life of privilege possible. Lydia decided it was time their story was told and incorporated everyone from the gardener and chauffeur to their housemaid, the people who had been referred to as the help. I am Lydia Blackmore. I am the decorative arts curator at the Historic New Orleans Collection. And as part of the decorative arts, I am in charge of the Williams Residence, which is the historic home of Kemper and Leela Williams, the founders of the Historic New Orleans Collection. Today, we are walking through the house doing a tour of working for the Williamses, focusing on the staff of eight people who worked for the Williamses to make their lives comfortable. So butler, chauffeur, cook, maid, laundress, personal maid, secretary, and gardener who worked here in the house, in the French Quarter. Um, I was saying as we walked in, normally the tour of the Williams residence starts in the Williamses living room because we are talking about the Williamses. But since we are talking about the people who worked for the Williamses, we are starting our tour at the back of the house in the kitchen. Well, so this is where all the magic was made. <laughs> because perhaps before we talk about these wonderful people, we should talk a little bit about the Williams themselves mm -hmm. and the influential things that they managed to do through entertaining here in this home. Yes. So the Williamses purchased this property in the heart of the French Quarter in 1938, as, uh, partly at the urging of their architect, Richard Koch, who really wanted to see this property saved from possible demolition, um, you know, modernization in the early 20th century. So the Williamses bought up a pretty large lot right here on Royal Street. During World War II, General Williams was stationed in Georgetown as part of his military duties. But during that time, Leela was working with her architect and designers to turn this French Quarter residence into their mid-century modern home. When the Williamses returned from the war, they made this their primary residence, living here from 1946 to 1964. Um, and it was quite unusual for them to choose to live here in the French Quarter. They were both um, Anglo-American, very wealthy um, part of New Orleans society, you know, the type of people you find in the Garden District. Um, and they chose to live here in the French Quarter because they were passionate about preserving the history and architecture of New Orleans. So as part of their mission to share their passion for preservation, they regularly hosted um, entertainment or formal dinners here at their home in the French Quarter. They formally entertained about three times a week while they were in residence. And that's a formal dinner, black tie, 
evening gown, multiple courses, drinks, of course, beforehand and probably afterwards, here in their dining room right off of Royal Street. What a wonderful invitation. I'm sure that was quite a sought-after invitation then, but I have to say I'm very grateful to have the invitation to be here with you today. So what went on in this kitchen? I love that the kitchen's aesthetic remains that of World War II. Yes. So here in the kitchen and next door in the butler's pantry, they're really the most mid-century modern parts of the house with those sleek lines. We got the glossy mint green walls and this cream um, cabinets and countertops in here. The Williamses have state-of-the-art appliances uh, here in these rooms, um, huge sinks to work in and everything like that. But of course, Leela and Kemper Williams were not here in the kitchen. They were not cooking. This was the domain of Lillian in the 1950s and Bernice in the 1960s, who they were their cooks who prepared those lavish multi-course meals for their evening dinner parties and even and just also their regular everyday meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner here in the Williams residence. Lydia, tell us about Lillian and Bernice, mm -hmm. the things you know about them, because so often those New Orleans cooks the ones who were in the back of the house putting out those beautiful New Orleans-style meals, they lived lives very separate, and yet their tables were often sometimes the same when it came to the food. They were very talented cooks. Mm -hmm. What do you know about them? So that's actually been one of the major challenges of adding this interpretation to the Williams residence, because most of what we know about the Williams' employees come from the documentation that we have from the Williamses. So we have General Williams's diary, we have different letters and things that have been written, and then also starting in 1953, we have all of the Social Security employment records. So that gives the basic. It gives the name, date of birth, Social Security number, um, and address, and what the people, were, their employees were being paid. So that's how we've been able to track who was working here in the Williams residence. From that, I went through other documents that the Williamses had to find any reference to them. And I also spent a lot of time on Ancestry.com trying to comb through New Orleans city directories, census records, anything I could find um, to document these people. Luckily, I had their social security numbers, so sometimes you can find the social security record for them. But um, it's always more of a challenge to research African-American history, as almost every one of these employees was African-American. Um, and it's even harder to research African-American women history, because as names change and records get lost, um, it's hard to trace that. So I don't know as much about them as I would like to know. I do know that they were both native Louisianans, um, that they moved around quite often here in New Orleans. They probably didn't own their homes. Both of them uh, were married. Lillian actually got married while she was working for the Williamses. So she started as Lillian Anderson and ended as Lillian Moore. Um, so she got married while she was working here. Um, Bernice Williams was married before she started working for the, for the Williamses no relation. <laughs> Again, no relation between Lillian Moore and Leela Moore Williams either. It just happens that they have the same names. Um, so 
that's a it's kind of a, a shadow of what we know about them, and I'm trying to learn more. You know, project is never done. So tell us about what they did in this kitchen. Tell us what you do know. Okay, so you can see, if you're here, if you come to visit the Williams residence, you can see the kitchen is a state-of-the-art cooking place. Um, the range is an eight-burner uh, range with a griddle, ovens, and broilers. It's one of the first ovens where you can set the temperature at 350 degrees and it will stay at 350 degrees. And you can also set a timer. So you can set it for an hour at 350 and it will turn off after that hour. So um, that's a state-of-the-art restaurant-grade appliance here in, there, in the Williams residence that Lillian and Bernice had to cook on. The refrigerator also is an imperial cyclomatic French door Frigidaire with an ice box, avocado interior, butter and cheese holders inside. So not only the appliances, but the kitchen design is top of the line. There's the marble pastry countertop. There's the butcher block countertop with vegetable storage underneath that's ventilated. Um, you know, the giant sink uh, that's always so useful and a huge amount of cabinetry. And we also have um, the original cookbooks that Leela owned. Um, Leela probably didn't cook very much. Uh, there's some doubt on whether she could in fact cook at all. Um, there's one story of her learning to boil water once and it was quite exciting for her. But she bought these cookbooks, she subscribed to Gourmet Magazine, and she would have marked recipes that she wanted her cooks to, to make for her dinners. She would have done her meal planning from these books. Um, and you can see there's, there's some interesting ones there. Bernice and Lillian really learned on the job. They didn't necessarily show up with skills. They acquired them out of the cookbooks, I imagine, a lot. Well, I'm sure that they had some skills when they started. And the cookbook is more of a guideline, you know. Uh, you can learn to cook from a cookbook, but it helps if you already know the basics. Um, and I'm sure that they knew the basics. And Lillian and Bernice both became very highly skilled employees of the Williamses. They were uh, the highest paid female employees of the Williamses. So um, by the end of her career, Bernice was being paid the exact same amount as the butler, who was a man. So. Of course, there's always wage disparity. There's a wage disparity between black and white workers. There's a wage disparity between female and male workers, and especially a wage disparity between African-American female workers and uh, white male workers. So the fact that Bernice was getting paid the same as the butler shows how important she was to the Williams's household. Despite all the 20th century modern conveniences, it was clear that the kitchen had early 19th century origins. I asked Lydia about who had originally lived there. The Williams residence was originally built by the Trappelin family in the 1880s, so this would have been the Trappelin family kitchen at that time. And we'll go through the stairway, which was open when it was the Trappelin family and enclosed by the time the Williamses lived here. So that's a remnant of the old coal-burning fireplace of the Trappelins. It was not used by Lillian or Bernice. The butler's pantry, located just off the kitchen, continues the mid-century mint green color theme. Built-in cabinets and shelving display a treasure trove of dinnerware, barware, and other serving accessories, looking just as if Lawrence, the butler, 
was about to mix up a martini for the general. So um, now we are in the butler's pantry. Um, so it's right adjacent to the kitchen. So food was cooked, um, prepped in the kitchen, and then it would have been plated here in the butler's pantry. And then after dinner, this is where the dishes were done. The butler's pantry was the domain of the butler, who was Lawrence Jacobs. Uh, Lawrence was born in Opelousas, and he started working for the Williamses probably soon after they um, moved to their own home in New Orleans, up by Audubon Park, in the late 1920s. Uh, so he obviously came to work with them when they moved here to the French Quarter, um, and he was a highly skilled butler. All of the oral histories from the Williamses' friends and family members call him the Major Dormo. So he ran this the social aspect of this house. He was also known for making martinis in the way that the general liked them, so we have those on display here in the butler's pantry. The way you make the general's martini is you get a bottle of gin, you pour out what is in the neck, fill that up with vermouth, and put it in the fridge, and then you have ready-to-pour martinis. Fabulous. Yes. <laughs> where are we going next? Who's next um, on the tour? From here, we're just going to pop into the garden room where we have the panels on the working for the Williamses. So to stick with our touring of the working parts of the house first before we even look at the formal parts of the house, we've now stepped into um, what is essentially a fancy shed. Uh, actually, it used to be my office. <laughs> Moved up in the world since then. Um, but we call this the garden room. It's one of those handy rooms where you can bring your plants in on the few days of the year when it freezes. It's a storage space. It's where you can make flower arrangements. Um, and then it's where we have put up our permanent exhibition panels on the people who worked for the Williamses. I thought that this information was so important that uh, even though we give wonderful tours of the Williamses, I wanted this to be written down somewhere just as we have things written about the Williamses elsewhere in our institution. What's really wonderful is that you even have photographs of these people. Yes, we do have photographs. All of these photographs are from the Williams's Christmas parties. They hosted a family Christmas party every Christmas Eve of every year. And we have the photographs from um, 1956 to 1961. And it's nice. Every year they took um, a photograph of Ike and Lawrence setting things up. And then usually of all of the employees who are working that night lined up in the dining room. So on some years it's a smaller party. There's only four people working in the dining room. But on other years it can expand up to eight employees. So even the the staff members who wouldn't normally work serve a dinner, like the laundress or the maid or the personal maid, Lydia Boudreaux, they got roped into working some of these parties when they got especially large. Now that we'd seen all the back of the house, we returned to the doorway of the butler's pantry where the workspace ended and the party space began. The long, sunny room looks out on their expansive French Quarter courtyard. Here we are standing just outside the butler's pantry at the base of the steps to go upstairs, and we're looking through the swing door into the dining room. This is essentially the back door to the dining room. This is where um, Lawrence and um, Lillian and Bernice would have brought the food through for all of the dinner parties. It surprises me that 
the dining room isn't quite as large as I expected it to be. What was the maximum number of guests that they had at the table? Um, so the table could seat up to 12. Um, the way we currently have it sh uh, shows seating eight. It, would, it was tight with 12. When they had larger parties, you know, they do have three gorgeous courtyards here, so they would entertain outside. We have to remember, they're not in their garden district home. They're in a home in the French Quarter where they're living because they want to preserve the historic architect, ac architecture of the French Quarter. And there aren't a lot of, you know, massive dining rooms in French Quarter houses. Just as the Williams guests might have, we moved from the dining room into the living room area, a large windowed space with a very surprising view. Although today you enter the residence from an interior courtyard off of Royal Street, their front door was actually around the corner on Toulouse Street. So here we are in the Williams' living room, the seat of their formal entertaining. Um, and uh, it has a central hall with the front door on the side of the house. When the Williamses bought this house, the Chaplin family home, which had been built in 1889, it was essentially a two-story shotgun house with the front facing Toulouse Street. The Williamses were saving the architecture of the French Quarter but didn't want to live in a Creole house. They wanted to live in a very familiar Anglo-American center hall home. So they bought the house next door so that they could control that courtyard and basically reoriented their house sideways. So then they have a center hall with a living room on one side and the dining room on the other side. But as they were living here in the quarter to help share their sense of preservation, encouraging all their friends to come down for the Garden District for those formal dinner parties, we like to tell that story of entertaining at the Williams residence. When you were invited to dinner at the Williamses, you showed up at their front door here off of Toulouse Street at 6.30. 6.30 promptly, not before and not after, at 6.30. The general was very strict about the time. So when you came into the door, Ike, the chauffeur, would welcome you. He might take your coat if you had one. And then you would come in here to the living room where Lawrence, the butler, would offer you usually a pretty strong drink. The living room was filled with family photos and mementos. Prominently displayed on the coffee table was an unusual keepsake that appeared to be a type of ancient iron. I asked about its providence. Lawrence Jacobs, who was their butler, um, may have served in Asia during World War II, and he brought these back, um, according to an oral history, he brought these back as a gift for Leela. And Leela Williams always had just them on display on this coffee table. So it does show that there was a very good relationship between the Williamses and their employees. There's obviously a racial line between them and the way that they were treated, but they did have close feelings to them. So Leela always had these on display. And then Lawrence actually named his youngest daughter Leela after Leela Williams. Next, we ascended a narrow staircase to the second floor, the most intimate space of the Williams family. We're upstairs in the Williams's second floor sitting room. It's less formal than the living room downstairs. Um, it's where their dinner parties may have ended with coffee or, or uh, liqueurs up here with the gentleman in the, ge in the general study. 
Um, but it's also where the Williamses hung out when they were home alone. You can see the general with his green chair right next to, as you pointed out, the entertainment center, the radio and record player. And we do have all of their records. They're, on, they're stored in these handy sliding storage cabinets in the wall here. They li mostly listen to um, classical music and opera. Um, and then Leela had her pink chair here in the corner. Um, and some nights they would pull out their television, which they kept hidden away in a closet as it was unsightly. Um, and their, according to their nephew, their favorite show to watch together was Bonanza. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, but this is also a room that is filled with textiles and things that gather dust. Uh, so this is where on our Working for the Williamses tour, we talked about Beulah, who was their housemaid, um, and then also Dorothy Quick, who was their laundress. So Beulah was in charge of, of course, you know, just keeping the house clean and running, so vacuuming and dusting and everything like that. And then they also had a full-time laundress, um, well, not quite full-time, a part-time laundress. She worked four days a week. Um, who helped to clean the textiles. The Williamses had their own laundry room located at the back of the garage, which was quite unusual for the time. They had a great laundry machine and everything, um, and Dorothy would have washed and ironed everything. Considering the 80-plus hours a week that the Williams staff regularly put in, I was curious if they had families of their own. Well, um, Lawrence did have a family. Ike was married uh, to Ruth Chapman, and I haven't found any record of children, but Lawrence uh, was married to Norma uh, Jacobs, and they had at least four children, uh, Lawrence Jr. and three daughters. Um, the youngest daughter was named Leela, after Leela Williams. One of those daughters has come back in the past and toured the Williams residence, um, and I wish we had gotten an oral history with her while she was here, but it was before I started working here. We learned from her that the Williamses really helped them when they bought their family home, uh, way, way, way uptown. The Williamses paid for their children to go through school. They bought um, the school uniforms and things uh, for, the, for Lawrence's children. So we've gotten stories like that as well. Thank you so much for this incredible behind-the-scenes look at really behind the scenes with the household servants of the Williams family. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, and it's always a work in progress. And we are always learning more about the Williamses and about the people who worked for the Williamses. So even if you've toured the Williams residence in the past, yes, it is still the same house, but there's always new information. Lydia Blackmore, Decorative Arts Curator at the Historic New Orleans Collection. To learn more about the HNOC, visit their website, hnoc.org. If you enjoyed this Louisiana Eats Quick Bite, be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you won't miss a delicious upcoming serving of Louisiana Eats. Visit poppytooker.com for lots more recipes and delicious food ideas, too. Have a special request or a thought to share? We'd love to hear from you. Call 504 867-9128 or send us an email to louisianaeats at poppytooker.com Louisiana Eats original theme music composed by David Pomerleau and performed by Johnny Sketch and the Dirty Notes Thanks to Sarah Holtz who produced this podcast and Maddie Molyneux, our social media maven 
Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, too. I'm Poppy Tooker. Thanks for listening. And thanks to our major sponsors, Camellia Brand, Zatarans, and Rouse's Markets. Visit poppytooker.com to see a full list of our partners. This Louisiana Eats Quick Bite was produced by Poppy Tooker Broadcasting. <laughs>